0: Samra. The sealed scroll represents the fulfillment of prophecy. The seven seals on the book are the seven seals of Revelation 6 and following. And so for the next few chapters after this week, we're going to be going through the different seals that are broken open um, in a little bit. And so you're going to want to come back next week and we're going to be talking about those, all right? And so that's what the scroll is, but there's, there's a problem though. And here's the problem. Revelation 5, 2 through 4. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. The problem here is that there is a scroll that needs to be opened, but there is no one worthy to break open the scrolls, not the elders, not the living beings, and not even the strong angel. Did you catch that in there? Because it's really interesting how he describes the angel as a strong angel. Strong people can break things, and yet this angel cannot do that. No one's worthy to open this scroll. No one has the power. No one has the ability. No one can do this. And so John begins to weep, which is actually pretty crazy because we're told that there's no tears in heaven. So he's weeping about this problem, about what's going on. Then look what happens. Verse 5, but one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory He is worthy. To open the scroll and its seven seals. This elder told John to stop weeping because between the throne and the four living creatures, he sees the lion of the tribe of Judah. This title of Jesus is pulled from Genesis 49 9 and 10. And this lion has won the victory. The lion has triumphed, he has prevailed, he has overcome, and he alone is worthy to open the scroll and break the seals. And it's pretty amazing, but who is this lion? I kind of already gave it away to you, but who is this lion? All of a sudden, notice though, John looks, then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered. I just want to pause there. Isn't it pretty amazing how the elder says, listen, There is right there the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he is worthy to open the scroll. And yet when John looks, he doesn't see a lion. Rather, he sees a lamb who was slaughtered. We're going to get back to that in a minute. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. The lion the elder saw was the slaughtered lamb. The heir to David's throne, which if you were with us for the our series in Ruth, which is right before this, I don't know if you remember, but the last the last message or the last part of the book of Ruth has a genealogy in it, and you know what the genealogy leads to, leads to David. And then we obviously know that Jesus is in the line of David. And so we see here that the heir to David's throne is is Jesus. And Jesus was slain for you and for me on the cross, but yet he wasn't just slain like a lion awaking from slumber. He rose again three days later in victory, overcoming sin and death for you and for me. Jesus is both the lion and the lamb. And let me just kind of paint this picture for you a little bit. Jesus on the cross is a picture of the lamb being slaughtered. Jesus walking out of the tomb three days later is a picture of the conquering lion. You need both. We need a lamb, a sacrifice to be slaughtered, to to give his life for you and for me so that we may have life and life to the full, but he couldn't stay in the grave. We also needed a lamb, a lion, who could then have victory over this sin and this death. And we have that through Jesus. We have a lamb, we have a lion, and that is Jesus. Christ Jesus is the lion and the lamb, and he alone is worthy to take the scroll and open it. He alone is worthy to ransom us for God and to usher in the final things. Now, as we're reading this, you may be like, wow, I, this is great. I believe this. But listen, if we believe Jesus is worthy to open the scrolls and the seals, how come many of us don't believe Jesus is worthy to come into our lives? How come when it comes to our lives we don't think Jesus is worthy to have full reign in our lives? That's where the that's where things stop for many people. They want to believe in these certain things about Jesus and in these visions and stuff and yet we're a little timid to let Jesus be the one to enter our hearts. Listen, only Jesus is worthy for you to give your life to him. Only Jesus is worthy for you to put your faith in him, your trust in him, and to give your life to him. Because he's also the only one worthy to open the scrolls, to open the seals. So you gotta ask yourself the question, am I going to give my life to Christ? Am I going to give my life to Jesus? Because he alone is worthy to have it. And so there we have the the picture of Revelation 4, where John describes this beautiful throne room, but then he gives us this, this problem that's going on, but he also gives us the solution in Jesus Christ, how he's the lion and he's also the lamb. The question is, is what should our response be? And what was their response? If you have your Bibles open, you're probably like, man, you skipped a lot of things in there. I did for a reason because the response is very simple. It's worship. After what we just saw and after what we just read, what sh- how should we respond as people who have faith in Jesus? We should respond in worship. I like how Eugene Peterson defines worship. He says, worship is an act of attention to the living God who rules, speaks, reveals, creates, redeems, orders, and blesses. So many people want to boil down worship to singing and yet, worship is not just singing, and that's just one aspect of it. Worship is any time you put your attention on the living God for who he is and what he's done for you and me. That's it. That's why you can worship at work. You can worship on, even on your boat. You can worship, okay? You can worship anywhere. Worship happens when you put your attention on the living God in all things, who he is and what he has done for you and for me. And that's exactly what these people, everybody does in Revelation 4 and 5. After what they see and experience, they worship. In chapter 4, they worship the Father for what he has created. In chapter 5, they worship Jesus and his redemption. And so then we have to ask the question, how do they worship? How do they worship? Well, first, we see that they fall down. They fall down. Let's read this. Revelation 5:8. and when he took the scroll, the four, el- the four living beings and 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. Revelation 4, 9 through 10, whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. So you see here that the instant people want to start worship, they, start, they just fall down. This idea of falling down, it's all about posture. It's all about posture. Falling down is a posture of humility. And so when we worship... It's worshiping with a posture of humility. It's falling down before God in our hearts, knowing that He is God and we aren't. Falling down. You read the Gospels, everybody who ends up at Jesus' feet, they go to Jesus for healing, for anything, they always end up at His feet. They fall down before Him. It's all about your posture of heart. It's all about our response. So they fall down. What else do they do? They sing songs, okay? They sing songs. I'm going to read a lot, of, a lot of scripture right now, okay? So just track with me here. Revelation 5, 9. And they sang a new song, which these words, yet you are worthy to take the scroll and break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered, and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation and you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. So they sang a new song, Revelation 4.8. Day after day and night after night, they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who always was, who is, and who is still to come. Many of you know a hymn called Holy, Holy, Holy. Guess where it's from, Okay. Revelation 5, through 12. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands, millions of angels and around the throne of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And this last one, this last one blows my mind. Blows my mind. And then I heard every creature, every creature in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea. They sang, Blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen, and the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. Every creature of all time will end up worshiping our God. So, whether people want to worship God in their lives now, at some point, they're going to worship the true God. Isn't that pretty amazing? They sing songs. Now, if you're like me and thinking, man, I can't sing. That's why I sit alone over here because I can't hit a note, all right? It's terrible. But basically, we can sing a song with our life. Act. The way we live, the way we talk, the way we act, the way we love, the way we care for people, all of that is just a beautiful song that we get to sing in this world. And so it's not just this physical idea of singing, but it's this physical idea that our life is a song. And we have the opportunity every day to sing the song that worships and glorifies the God of this universe. They sing a song. The last thing, oh, I love this. Eugene Peterson, Moses sings, Miriam sings, Deborah sings, David sings, Mary sings, angels sing, Jesus and his disciples sing, Paul and Silas sing. When persons of faith become aware of who God is and what he does, they sing the song's our ear, repressible. You look at throughout Scripture, people sing with their lives. The last, the last one. So they basically fell down. They also sang songs. But then this last one, they gave what they had. They gave what they had. Revelation 4, 10 and 11. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. They gave what they had. I don't know... I don't think I've ever met anybody with a crown willing to give it up. And yet we have 24 elders surrounding the throne with these crowns, and yet they are very willing to give their crowns or cast their crowns, probably where they got their band name from, cast their crowns right back at the feet of our God, right back before his throne. Why? Because God is worthy. Because he is God. Because he is the one who created everything. Because he is the one who sent his son. Because he is the one who loves us, despite our wickedness and our sin, and being dead in our trespasses. Because he is the one who cares for us. Because he is the one who accepts us. Because he is the one who gives us what we have. They were willing to give it all back because they knew that it all came from him. And so we see this in our lives all the time, Why do we struggle giving everything back to our God? Why do we struggle giving our lives back to Him? Why do we struggle giving our things back to Him? Why do we struggle giving our kids back to Him or our hard situations? Listen, everything we have in this life is from Him, and He deserves it all back. They fell down, they sang songs. And they gave back what they had. And that's what I want to challenge you to do today. If you're here, listen, and if you believe this, what God says in his word, if you believe what the throne room looks like, if you believe in Jesus and have faith in him, if you believe that he's the one that's worthy to open the scrolls, if you believe he's the one to worthy to have your heart and your life, I want to encourage you to fall down before him in humility. I want to challenge you to sing songs of praise with your life. And I want to challenge you to give back to him what he has given you. Because let me tell you, he is the one that deserves it. And so we're going to end our time today just by worshiping more. Because that's exactly what they did after they saw the throne room. And so would you stand with us as we continue to worship today?